Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. Hey. Welcome, welcome. We got yeah. Matt and Leslie in the house. How y'all doing? Good. Good. Wonderful. Wait, so my first question is, did y'all watch the Super Bowl? Yes. Yes. What did you think? What are your thoughts? There's a lot of thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, you go first. You go first. <laughs> You know, I am a I'm a Pittsburgh fan, so it's difficult to root for two teams that one, you don't want to see the 49ers win another Super Bowl and tie Pittsburgh and have six Super Bowls. And then the other part of that is Patrick Mahomes has been a menace to the AFC for the last like I don't know what seven years he's been there now. So yeah, but it was a great game. Great game. Overtime is incredible. It's kind of late and it's ready to go to bed, but it was a good game. I was like the first quarter I was sitting there going sitting there kind of with my mouth open like this is two defensive powerhouse teams like nobody can score and just a lot of smart football which is good because you know you get to the Super Bowl and they have those blowouts and you're like oh bring on the next commercial like you're just over it my husband he actually wanted um the 49ers to win um he was just tired of the chiefs reign or whatever but um as soon as you know the first half and well all the mistakes they made he was just like this is not gonna last long they are known for coming all the way back so that's exactly what happened yeah Yeah. so i was watching um uh what is it uh Morning Joe this morning. And they were talking about Mr. Usher Raymond the fourth and uh and his show. And so they were they were kind of well, they were joking him about like the younger kids were like, Who's this old man with his shirt off in the middle of, <laughs> of the Super Bowl? And I was and I was like Oh, I never looked at it that way. But I went to his show in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And so that was like his show in 30 seconds or less. Right, right. Yeah, it did feel a bit rushed. I have not seen him yet, but I did get my Usher tickets today because they went on sale at 10. So I got my. (laughs) They weren't bad at all. They were, uh, my seats were a lot better. Um, They pretty much cost the same as I paid for Beyonce, but my seats are a lot better. So yeah, yeah. It's a great halftime show. Really good halftime show. It was yeah. happy to see Alicia Keys was brought out. Um, and I think it was, uh, who was it? Jermaine Dupri. I was like, that was, all, that was like, I mean, there were so many people that came out. I loved it. It was a great show. Yes. Did, you, did y'all see <laughs> the memes on uh, Instagram with Jermaine Dupri and his outfit looking like the Munchkin Man? <laughs> A sailor, you know how little kids dress in like sailor suits. (laughs) (laughs) I can't unread all of that, so I giggle every time I see him now. Well, I thought at first, I thought it was um, what's his name, CeeLo Green. At first, I was like, (laughs) yeah, very funny. I saw one that said uh, he clearly put on his Easter suit from when he was five years old. So. Oh my goodness. Oh, so what did you guys drink while you watched the Super Bowl? I made um some Moscow mules actually. I stayed with the Moscow mules. I um I'm going through a rum phase now. And so I um I had a little rum in 
uh, lime and simple syrup. Very nice. It's funny that y'all didn't drink wine. I I did. It was <laughs> what did you have? What did you have? <laughs> oh, you know, uh, Gloria Ferrer. I just kept it very simple. I just drank her brute all night. Um, because I, I can't drink cocktails all night. I don't I, I can't do it anymore. I can end with one, and that's usually my finisher. But I can drink wine all day. But yeah, cocktails will punish me. That is super. So did any of you guys have a favorite commercial? I thought the commercials this year were pretty rough. You thought so? Yeah. I Each year, I feel like they've been getting a little less and less creative. And I'm like, I'm mm. like I, you know. I remember when like the halftime, the Super Bowl commercials were almost as good as the game. Whether mm. they were like the Doritos, com- I mean, the Doritos commercials are always pretty funny. Um, even the uh, Budweiser commercials used to be like, you used to look forward to those. And now I'm like, the E Trade babies, maybe, maybe. Um, there was one commercial with um, a, 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 a man who was like legally blind and the AI was reading you know, the, the photos for him. And then at the end, uh, it read him, his wife and the kid. And I was like, oh, oh, my heart just dropped. It's Google, right? It's yeah, it's phone. Oh, Google yes. It was the Google phone. AI. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I yeah. thought that was really heartwarming. Um, Of course, Beyonce dropped some music and used the commercial to, I was like, that was, that was slick. That was slick. Mm-hmm. That was real slick. I liked the, um, well, the, the heartwarming one was when they did the um the washing of the feet the thing. Jesus commercials those were nice right they and nice. you know it's so funny because those, those commercials are so expensive yeah so I'm sitting there being touched and I'm like well damn what organization has seven million dollars that can have this during this Jesus like, right <laughs> Jesus really <laughs> so so I digress and then the the other one I thought was funny, but some people thought was corny, is the J Lo, um, for Dunkin' Donuts. I thought that was hilarious because I could see like my friend being over in the corner, like I'm so sorry we're doing this to you, but <laughs> yeah, it, I was, it was super corny, but it was yeah. funny though. Mm-hmm. It was funny. Oh, what is that? Um, that app Timu, they had a commercial. Yeah, that was that was that was that was really was like, interesting. Timu. Like they were on like a couple of times too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they paid. Yeah, I was like, damn, fourteen million. Goodness <laughs> gracious! Yes. <laughs> okay, so Matt, so the rest of the show is going to be all about you. Please introduce yourself to everybody. Yeah, I'm Matt Harmon. I am the owner and founder of Harmony Wine. I started the wine company in 2020 after I got laid off, and so. I work with local wineries and some wineries outside of the state to make my own wine. Um, and then I sell online and then I do a bunch of events, whether they're pop-ups or uh, festivals. So that is Harmony Wine in a nutshell. Were you working with wine before you were laid off? No, I was not actually. So um, I had an interest in cooking food. I loved cooking food, Love, still love cooking food. Um, and so... I started pairing my favorite foods with wine that I was, that I loved and had like an incredible experience of, you know, this uh, food and wine blending together and like 
creating this like wonderful time that I was having. And so I started going to wine bars, um, going to wine events, going to wineries and just kind of fell in love with the whole process. Um, but at the time I was working at UVA and I was working in the library. Um, and so in October of 19, I decided, all right, like if you want to do this wine venture, you should probably learn a little bit more about sales and marketing. Um, and so while I was working at UVA on my lunch break, I had like figured out what my logo was going to be, um, had signed up for a bunch of federal permits and they were just kind of sitting around. But because I started a new job in October of 19, uh, that didn't last for so long uh, with COVID around the corner. So I got laid off in March of 2020 and then decided after applying for a numerous amount of jobs that there was a hiring freeze and to just kind of take that leap. Wow, man, I guess the universe was really pushing you to what you wanted to do in the first place. Yeah. Wow. So you said you were work you work with other wineries. What exactly um are you doing when you're working with other wineries? So for me, because I don't have an actual facility, I have to make sure that my wine, I want my wine to be unique in the process. Um, you know, a lot of wineries offer uh, wine that's already been made. And so for me, the way that I will work with a winery is I will say, I want to buy these grapes from you. Um, and they will go through the whole process of making the wine the way they normally would. However, what I will say is I want to blend it with this wine or I'm going to blend it with this varietal. Um, and this will be my own varietal. And yes, so that does two things for me. One, it creates a different a different uh, blend of wine, a different wine that they are not going to be serving. Excuse me. And then two, it, I also get good quality grapes from reputable and noteworthy wineries in the, in the region and outside of this, the state of Virginia. So I get to really play chemist and come up with my own creations of, of uh, wine, which is a lot of fun for me. So which varietals do you work with? So most recently I've worked with two grapes that I think are on the rise in Virginia. Um, Aratzcatelli, which is a German grape. Um, I put that into a blend with a Viognier and put that into a can. So that's a canned white wine that I have. That's a blend. Um, and then another one that I did was a Petit Mansang Chardonnay blend. Um, and then soon I will have a Cab Franc and I'm not going to share the rest of those blends, but um, <laughs> it is a red blend. Uh, it's a Bordeaux style, but I, I'd like to, I think Virginia has four to five wines that it does better than most regions. And I think honing in on those and playing with those, you could get some really, really cool um, creations. What other canned wines do you have in the can? So I have a rosé currently. Um, that recently sold out, but it's coming back in. Um, and I have a white blend that I was just telling you all about. So those are the two wines. Um, I hope to expand it. I think there's a little bit of science that's going to go into making those, making other wines, uh, you know, like a canned red or a sparkling. Um, and that's just going to take a little bit of time and manpower and will to figure out how to, how to make that work. But that is the goal to do more canned wines. So not only do you go to the wineries for the grapes and you tell them what you're going to do with them, 
they let you use their facility to bottle and can as well? Yes. Yeah, so for the bottling, like most of the most wineries don't have a bottling line. So they use a mobile facility that comes in and does it for them. So then I find a mobile canning or bottling line that'll come in where the wine is being stored. And then I get my stuff done through them. Um, but yeah, because the equipment and everything is so much overhead for the wineries, it makes sense for them to try and use the equipment as much as possible. So it's interesting, um, Matt, that you went into wine, um, and please take this as a, a compliment. You're very youthful looking and, um, wine looking at the numbers, purely on the numbers that, your demographic really isn't into wine right now. So it's, it's great to see that you are um, not only are you enjoying wine, but you're also producing wine. Um, do your friends have the same interest or love for wine? Or are you the one that's doing like most of the education in your friend group? So that's actually interesting because it's kind of the, it was kind of the catalyst for me jumping into the industry. Um, so I live in Charlottesville and Charlottesville is one of, I believe at some, at one point when I was first starting out, we were the youngest wine drinking demographic in the U S and I think it's because it's a college town and there's a number of wineries in the area. Um, but what I was noticing was that my friends and people who look like me, although they may, some of them may be interested in wine, not everybody was because of the you know preconceived notions of one, I'm not, I don't know anything about wine and two, the headaches, and I can't drink that much. I don't know how I'm supposed to dress. I don't know what I'm supposed to pair. And it became almost a, like a, this is too stuffy for me to enjoy the way I would with anything else. And so my approach became to kind of take how I was treating wine and bring it into like a business light, into an educational point. So, you know, I do a ton of events um, that, are centered around things that my friends like to do. So I've done events where they're themed and we'll, I did a Drake and Rick Ross night where we play Drake and Rick Ross for the night. And yeah, we're learning about wine, but also the music is something that people are going to be able to enjoy. And then the food that we paired with it was tacos. So, you know, making the experience relatable to people, things that they're going to be able to make at home or, feel comfortable having is definitely something that I think helps the younger demographics kind of get into the wine and realize that it's not just a stuffy five course dinner that you have to do every time you have wine. Did you know all of these paths before you started them or did you have a mentor? Cause you seem to know a lot. Um, I think so. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know too much about wine and I feel like I still am learning a lot. I think for me, the biggest thing that I was doing was asking winemakers, especially when it comes to like pairings and stuff. A lot of, I think, I think the one thing that you probably hear all the time when it comes to wine pairings is just like, just try it. And that sounds so daunting, but it really does just come to, coming down to, all right, this is what I'm having for dinner tonight. Let me walk over to the wine aisle and see what's going to work with this. And, you know, if it's a bad experience, it's a funny experience now. Like, I think one of the first times I tried to pair wine, I was making a red pasta and had like a sweet white wine that I picked off the shelf. And like, it was awful. It was so bad. But, you know, you learned from that. And I was like, okay, I don't know why this was so bad, but I want to know why. 
and like what's going to make this experience better the next time uh so a lot of it was trial and error and then you know a lot of it also is just what you want to see what i wanted to see in the wine industry and creating the space that i would want to go to and places that i want to frequent so doing those kind of events how receptive were the winemakers when you first approached them honestly i can say that a lot of winemakers in this area were very very receptive and open to me coming in and asking them questions i think and i don't want to speak for all of them but i know a lot of them are kind of shy you know the winemaker isn't the person that's out in front and they're usually not the owner of the business so you have me i believe i was 27 at the time so 27 and i'm walking into you know a, a winery and asking the winemaker so what about this and what about this and you know they're used to people asking them maybe one or two questions but not really having a ton of answers and so now they're kind of getting to show off and it, it i think it really allowed for them to kind of open up and be a little bit more receptive and from that i think it just i just built some really good relationships with the wineries in the area i was told that in on this podcast we don't ask winemakers about money enough so you don't have to share like the details but uh did you receive funding or was this all you how is because what you're doing is expensive um, if you don't mind sharing part of, uh, how you finance your, your wine, wine making. Yeah. So <laughs> funny enough, I took, so during COVID, you know, that, that time period, I had basically like a little bit of savings and I took, took it and bet on me. That's basically, it. I just took what I had in savings and bet it all on me at, you know, at that point, there's not much income coming in. There are no jobs that are readily available. And if you, at this point, you just have to jump. So I did that. And then also there are grants. There was a ton of grants that go on. And, you know, whether it's, I think one of the things that running a business that happens in running a business is that you really, sometimes you just want the blank check to be like, here you go. Here's your stuff for your inventory. And I think, although that is great, I think you also have to find those grants that are like, here, we'll pay for your website design. We'll pay for the marketing for like the next, you know, six months those things really help out. And I was able to cash in on grants here and there, whether they were, you know, a couple hundred or close to a little over a thousand, like those kind of grants really help out, especially with small businesses, especially in the wine industry, because wine is not a, it's definitely not a young man's game. And, you know, I walk in and I'm having meetings with most of the time people that are in easily 20 to 30 years older than me. Um, and so, from that standpoint, I do understand that, you know, this is something that is usually a long game. Um, but I was able to capitalize on some grants and had like a little bit of money saved up. But it is always a game of making sure that your numbers are right. Are you um, making wine full time? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I have been, you know, I, I, thought that after things kind of slowed down with COVID that I would be able to jump back into maybe a nine to five and this would be a passion project. Um, but the way things have been going, it's at such a demand that it's been able to allow me to, you know, really focus in on it. So this is what I do full time. And, um, you know, I also do because of the wine, because I'm trying to get my wine out there so much, I plan a ton of events. I try to have at least one to two events a month which is also a benefit. So that's wonderful. That is so that's that's great. Cuz there's a lot of people, I mean, people don't realize and Sarita can attest to this. 
there are a lot of people who are making wine and they still work a nine to five. Um, and it's just, it's taxing. It, like you said, it's their passion project, but it um, doesn't always pay the bills as soon as you would like it to. Yeah, I think, I think, I think for me, COVID really sped up the time process for like the way things were going because without, I mean, you know, you're stuck in the house for almost two years. So all I have time to do is focus in on this is what you want to do. And you can't really go out and waste, not so to speak, waste money, but you know, like I want to go to the restaurant. I want to go hang out with my friends. All of that kind of stuff is just like pushing aside. There is no real downtime at this point you've watched everything that's on netflix there's no like oh i'm gonna get distracted by tv it's all right so for the next year and a half to two years i was focused on how to make the business work and branding and marketing and getting my name out there where can everybody find your wine can they go to the website are you in retail so i am on a website it is a taste of um Moving forward, I am going to be moving into some retail spaces, probably not stores, but more likely restaurants, uh, resorts, golf courses, especially with the canned wines. Um, for me, especially in Virginia, and I think, you know, a lot of wineries feel this pain point of like the margins don't usually don't always match up because Virginia is one of the places where we just don't produce as much wine as California, you know, and some of these bigger areas. So, you know, margins are, are, are a little different, but I will I will definitely be in some like small wine shops and restaurants and bars and golf courses and resorts. So consider marinas because of, you know, the glass issue. Yeah. And so that's ideal. I'm quite sure you've already considered that. But yeah, that would be great. Matt. If we spoke with you in five years, we probably will earlier, but if we spoke with you in five years, what, what's on your plate? Where, you know, where would we, uh, what would we see you doing? Uh, five years from now, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, the, the goal for Harmony is to really expand on making wine uh, a little bit more approachable. And when I say approachable, I just think the nature of what wine has been can kind of seem daunting. Um, so whether that's pushing more of the can initiative or it's doing more of the events that I've been doing, um, I really hope to see that, you know, the, the brand has kind of spoken for itself in a way that makes people mention it when they go to an ABC store, like, Oh, what are we drinking tonight? I think we want some harmony because we're going to go to the beach today or we're going to go hiking let's grab a can of let's grab a four pack of the harmony um i think that's really the goal and then also from a event standpoint i think that leading the leading the charge on doing really cool events um can i plug my event coming up in march <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely so, so one of the events that i've done um i did it last year that i think is really really going to push the narrative of making wine a little bit more of a fun time is called days of rosé um it's out at castle hill and keswick right like 15 minutes outside of charlottesville and the idea behind it was that i wanted to create a wine competition that is based around people's choice um you know a lot of competitions are based on judges that a lot of people are like oh this wine is really good but i thought it might be fun to allow for 
one, a fun competition between wineries, and then two, to allow the public who buys the wine and frequents the wineries to pick their favorite. So last year we had 10 wineries come out and uh, it's people's choice. So everybody comes and they wear pink and they get a pink poker chip and they get to taste the, all the wineries um, from the region. And when they're, once they've tasted all of them, they get to vote and cast their vote for their favorite uh, rosé. Then a winner is announced and they get a trophy. Um, and so we have this year, we're going to have close to 25, I hope. Um, and we have an art installation, a DJ, um, some vendors showing up. It's an absolute blast. So I really hope as many people can come out as possible. If you need podcasters on the sideline to talk to people, <laughs> this is a fantastic idea. I love it so much. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun to see. Last year was a lot of fun to see how many people turned out and come, came out and sh showed up and had a great time. Um, we had some groups from the Virginia beach area drive up and they brought, they can't say showed up in a tour bus and they tore the place down. Like they had a great time. So, you know, being able to see people have a good time around wine, especially around an event that you had in your mind come to life is really, really cool. If someone asks you, I want to become a winemaker, I want to walk in your shoes. I want to walk in your path. What would you tell them? I would tell them, the easiest way that I have found is reaching out to the local wineries. I know sometimes it seems like that's like the, you know, the, the easiest answer is usually the best one. And I think from my experience, it was, if you have that hunger and that knowledge to be like, I want to get into this, I think you really have to immerse yourself around those people and see what they do, see what they uh, are doing, what they're learning, what they're looking for, um, you know, one of the best things that you could probably do is during the harvest season, wineries are always looking for extra hands to help them out. And if you can be the assistant to a winemaker, whether it's just dumping grapes into the machine as they're getting ready to get pressed, you'll learn a lot from that, from why they're clipping certain grapes to what you need to look for in different clusters and how grapes are grown. I think there's a lot to be learned by just going and asking winemakers, hey, I want to learn more about this. What can you tell me? And like, what things can I help you out with? Um, that like, what are your pain points? What are you looking for? Those are the kind of questions that I think a lot of winemakers don't usually get asked. They usually get asked if, Oh, like what's your favorite vintage or what's your favorite wine to drink? And I think asking um, the questions of, well, how did that frost that was, that happened last week? How did that affect you? What did you have to do? And you'll hear some interesting stories from, yeah, I was at the winery at, five at 3 a.m. continuously heating up the grapes and knocking off the frost that is not the glamorous part of you know the the wine shots the overhead wine shops of the vineyard or that happens on Saturday when the uh, waitress is coming by and pouring them some wine so there's a there's a lot that goes into it that I think you can really learn a lot from asking winemakers and also just going and being around people who are in the wine industry you'll learn a lot from people who just are drinking it a lot. Thank you so much for that. Okay. So this part of our show, this is this or that. We'll get to know you a little bit better. And okay. this is the Black Rappers edition. Okay. Okay. And we'll all answer. As opposed to the White Rappers edition. Oh, child. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. First one, Kendrick Lamar or J. Cole? Ooh. I'm going Kendrick Lamar. 
I, I, I like his, I like his body of work. Yeah. Yes. I like Mr. Lamar. Yes. That's a third for Mr. Lamar. I love it. <laughs> All right. Next one. The ladies, Queen Latifah or MC Light. Y'all are really getting me. So I'm like a huge music head. I have like over 75,000. You know, I was, I, I really stalk people's Instagram and I was like, oh, okay. Music. You're very, it's very like <laughs> professional. Your pictures are gorgeous, but I was like, he likes something else. And I was like, and music <laughs> yeah, is it. Music. Okay. So the underdog pick would go, would be MC Light. But Queen, I think that people really don't understand how good Queen Latifah was and like how much music she really put out and how great yeah. it was. So I'm going to go Queen Latifah. It's fair. Like, I think, I think she, um, mm -hmm. I mean, she doesn't, her body of work is not as vast. Or Which one are you talking yeah. about? MC Light. Oh, got you. Okay. Um, But she, you know, she put out some quality, she puts out some quality stuff there. Yeah. <sighs> this is very, very hard for me. Um, Y'all know my, one of my first tapes when I was a little kid was Queen Latifah. It's, this is very hard. This is very, very hard. But as an adult, MC Lights, her songs hit me harder than, than Queens do. But I love Queen so much in everything she do. I think she's a phenomenal actress. But if we're just going based on rap, I'm gonna go MC Light. That was very tough, but MC Light for me. You know what's funny about... Uh... I I I re recently had a conversation with a friend of mine. His kids are pretty young. They only know Ludacris and Queen Latifah from acting. And I was like, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. That's like LL Cool J, right? Yeah. Right. And um, Ice T. Yeah. Right. Like people have right. no idea about yeah. his past. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Lil Wayne or Kanye West. Ooh, all right. So I just saw that I think it was a I think it's an anniversary like twenty years ago. Uh, college dropout or graduation? Mm. I don't remember which one it was, but I'm gonna go Kanye because I think just on a I'm gonna go back and listen to this and like catch the meaning. Like he's got so many songs that there's just so many albums where it's just like there's no skipping here. So I think I'm gonna go with Kanye. He is dead to me. Oh. Kanye is dead to me. I was not ready for that. <laughs> so anybody, anybody but Kanye West. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So my answer, none of these are easy. Okay. If we're talking about rap, rap talent, and the way their brain works, I'm going to go with Lil Wayne. I think Kanye has better produced music, better yeah. albums. But if we're talking about rap, it's Lil Wayne. That's so fun. I I mean, you know, I grew up listening to both of them. So like one drops an album, the other one drops an album. Right. And, you know, you're just mixing it up in playlists, listening to both. But right. Yeah. I mean, talk about just like some iconic albums from both of them. I think. Sure. uh I think it's I think it's just a testament to how talented they both are. For sure. Okay. Um, this may be easier or hard, I'm not sure, but Missy Elliott or Lauren Hill. 
Rap. I'm going to go Missy Elliott because I, as much as I love Lauren Hill, as much as I love Lauren Hill, she's kind of tainted the way that mm. I like, I, I've been dying to go to a concert. And then I just heard all the horror stories and I'm just like, ah, but I am going to go, if we're going off of rap, I'm going to go Missy Elliott because I think she's just, I think body of work plus I like her flow a lot. And she's got so many catchphrases that people say on a daily day basis and they don't even know where it came from, Yeah, which I think is hilarious. But So I don't think you can compare the two. Okay. Um, I mean, they, they are legends in their own right. I remember driving to Hampton, just listening to um, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. I mean, such a such a classic, classic. (laughs) And then, like Missy Elliott. Speaking of Hampton, Hampton Roads area, I heard out of nowhere. You know, it's I I can't I can't decide. I'm I'm gonna be the Glennis today. And uh, they they both get my my vote. Now, if you ever if you want to hear like a backstory on um. Missy Elliott, and again, I don't know how true this all is, but if you read or listen to Faith Evans' autobiography, she was good friends with Missy Elliott, and and she talks. Why you say was? I I don't I I don't get the sense that it you know. Oh, I mean, I bet they're cool. You know, like they didn't have a falling out compared to other people that she wrote about, but um. She talks about Missy Elliott when she was younger back in the day. She never carried a purse. She just carried like a lunch bag with her wallet and it was full of candy in it. Why is that adorable though? Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's just Missy Elliott, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is hard. They both can sing and rap. Um again, it's it's very similar to my previous my previous answer missy's albums are beautifully produced she's so creative and ah but lauren hill the fujis it's that's i mean there's nothing like that in this case i'm gonna go with lauren hill next one snoop dogg or ice cube so i'm actually gonna go ice cube i am a huge snoop fan but i like Ice Cube's content and flow much better, actually. Not that Snoop Dogg's wasn't good, but I just, I I don't know if I would have said that four years ago, but yeah. That's my pick. Okay. I'm trying to remove politics from the discussion. Oh, I mean, they're both bad if you do that. They're horrible. Horrible. <laughs> but I will go with Cube because I think he was a visionary. Um, to be someone so young, I think he was he was a visionary. I, I like him, but yeah. I'm also gonna go ice cube. Um like you, Matt, I like his flow a little. I appreciate his flow a little bit better as an adult right now yeah. versus Snoop's. Yes. Okay. This next one, 
please do not shoot me. But this this is tough. Outcast or Wu Tang? Oh wow. Um so this is difficult because I have Andre 3000 in my top three favorite artists to rap. For sure. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, think, I think he's just masterful with it. Um but Wu Tang is like what I would listen to anytime I worked out or did anything. So <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go outcast. I'm gonna go outcast. It's a difficult one, though. Very difficult. Okay, that's fair. Leslie. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with the Wu-Tang Clan. I mean, there's like 20 million individual artists and then they come together. It's, <laughs> it's like, they're like a utility knife of rap, you know, and hip hop. And you can pull this one out, pull that one out. It was, I mean, yeah. It was amazing. Yes. This is also difficult. Um, but I definitely have a new appreciation for Wu-Tang after their documentary came out and watching their series, just learning some brilliant details about how it all came together. I'm going to also go Wu-Tang. So, but Outkast, I mean, it's nothing like it. It's hard. No. Hard choice. Yeah, all right. Think, only two more. I think oh. Wu-Tang's Wu -Tang's docu, docu series. Yeah, it was kind of like the series that they had on Hulu. Yeah, was so good. Yeah, it was it so was so good. good. All right, only two more: Fifty Cent or LL Cool J. I'm gonna go Fifty Cent. I think I just I love LL, but I think just from like a standpoint of like what I like to listen to better. Yeah. If I'm if I'm gonna listen to some rap, if you would give me those two options, I'm gonna go fifty cent. But LL definitely has some classics that you just have to play if you're gonna be anywhere this summer. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with fifty. Fifty? Okay. Yeah, it's for uh, you know it's funny. Um, <clears throat> I actually had AI come up with these these this or that's. <clears throat> of course, I had to remove some because they were all wrong. But for the most part, this was what AI came up with. Um. The 50 and LL, because nobody compares those two rappers. Mm. Um, I know LL is usually compared to Drake because they rap about romantic stuff to a degree. But yeah, um, I'm going to go with 50 Cent just based <laughs> just based on the opening songs to all of his shows. Just ah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They always hit right. They always hit right. They do. OK, last one. Chance the Rapper or Childish Gambino? Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm, right? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, hmm. I am going to go Childish Gambino. Yeah. I I really like his, I really like the way he raps, and I think he's, like, really talented. I do love Chance. I just think I enjoy Childish Gambino a little bit more. I like Chance. Like, I I think, you know, there's some people who have already peaked in their career, but I think he's still, you know, he has a few more albums in him. I like him. I'm actually going to go with Childish Gambino 
Chance the Rapper sounds like Kanye to me. Even his cadence and everything, it sounds like Kanye. I'm like, I, I, it's different, but I feel like I've heard it before. It's the Chicago thing. Perhaps. Perhaps it is. And I know that Kanye is a lot older than Chance. I don't know if he was a, you know, influence, but um, I'm going to go with Chance Gambino. I think um, his music is really, really creative. And yeah. Yeah. So that's my answer. Yeah, I think uh, Kanye helped him produce a lot of his uh, music. So that's that's definitely where that sound is coming from. Plus the Chicago. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Please don't make me reconsider my answer. (laughs) 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 Oh, my goodness. Matt, this was so fun. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Swirls Week. Yeah, this is amazing. Appreciate it. I have, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have one more question. Go for it. Because Matt, when you when um I first saw the schedule and I was like Harmony Wise, Harmony Wise. Do you get confused at all with boys to men? Men. Because <gasps> so... I kept, I was like I know I was like <laughs> I was, at first I was like Serena pulled off boys to men on the show. <laughs> <laughs> then I started yeah. reading. So do do people say anything to you about that? So early on, I would get, I mean, I got a couple of business uh, ventures because of it, which was really cool. I got reached out to by, I think, a Philadelphia um, group that was looking to have some wine. And they reached out to me and I was like, just so you guys know, I'm not boys to men. And they're like, oh, okay, well, if you're still interested, I was like, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's it's happened every once in a while. But I think over like the past year and a half or so, it's kind of been like a separating, which is nice, which is really good for me. But yeah, every once in a while, I'll still get the, is this boys to men? So Matt, tell everybody where they can follow you and where they can buy your wine. Yeah, so you can follow me and you can follow Harmony Wine. You can follow myself at mharm underscore one at Instagram and harmony underscore wine on Instagram. And then to get my wine and learn about any events that I have coming up, a taste of harmony, all spelled out.com. I love it. Um, Leslie, any church announcements to close us out? Why, certainly, we have um, a fellow Virginian, uh, Kendra Dion. We're featuring her uh, Friday, the 16th of February, celebrating Black History Month. We're doing a wine tasting with her. And then, of course, all month long, we are focusing on Black winemakers. So make sure you you support Black winemakers by buying their wines. I love it. And as always, I'm still eating Black food and drinking Leslie's Black wines. Pairing them together. I have three more black products to tell you about, and I'm excited. And and if you have not seen them, <laughs> please watch the videos because I have never seen Sarita before smack her lips on camera, and she God. has me chasing down these items. So please Listen, watch these videos. That slutty vegan dip at Target. Listen, y'all better, you better go find out. Slutty, mm, Pinky Cole, I don't know what she puts in these dips, but my God, they're good. 
So good. I'm so sorry you couldn't find them, Leslie. But go to PG Plaza. They got them there. All right, y'all. That is a wrap. Cheers, everybody. You've been listening to the Swirl Sweet Podcast, a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vine Me Up Media.